Section 6 of The Dread Apache, That Early Day Scourge of the Southwest, by Dr. Merle Pingree Freeman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Apache Kid Begins Bloody Career Through Killing of Sheriff and Deputy and Escape of Kid. Apache Kid Begins Bloody Career I have said that the surrender of Geronimo terminated the many years of bloody warfare with the Apaches as a tribe, but the Indian tribes may, and do, have outlaws in their own tribe, outlaws for whom, as a tribe, they are in no way responsible, and for whose acts the individual and not the tribe should alone be held amenable even the white tribe is not altogether immune from this infliction in this class among others was the apache kid who following the surrender of geronimo with a few lawless followers made independent warfare on isolated helpless settlers leaving the footprints of his bloody work wherever he went the kid sometimes called the apache kid and at others simply kid was an apache scout occupying the position of sergeant under al sieber chief of scouts on june one eighteen eighty seven the kid shot sieber on the san carlos reservation wounding but not killing him and this marks the beginning of kid's series of bloody crimes immediately following the shooting of sieber kid his squaw and sixteen other Indians left the reservation. Captain Burgess, Old-Time Scout An interesting old-time scout is Captain John D. Burgess, who came to Arizona in 1873 to look after some mining interests for General Cotts and Colonel Biddle of the Army, subsequently becoming a guide and scout for the government and in 1882 was chief of Indian police at San Carlos. At the time the kid started out on his career, Captain Burgess was working some mines of his own at Table Mountain in the Galura Mountains. The officer in command of the troops sent out from San Carlos in pursuit of the kid and his followers, knowing Burgess immediately secured his services as guide and trailer following the kid and his band they trailed them through to pontano where they had crossed the railroad and going up davidson's canyon and passing e l vale's ranch had accommodated themselves to a bunch of his horses passing down the east side of the santa ritas they killed mike grace an old miner near old camp crittenden here captain lawton with a troop of the fourth cavalry heading them off and forcing them to turn back they passed by mountain springs near the present vale station and were run over the rincon mountains where they were so closely pursued that while in camp they lost all the horses they had stolen they now headed for the reservation which they succeeded in reaching before lieutenant carter johnson who was immediately behind could overtake them and here they surrendered and in due course were tried and sent first to san diego barracks passing through tucson on september third and subsequently in february eighteen eighty eight were transferred to fort alcatraz in the bay of san francisco 
Subsequently, the United States Supreme Court, having decided that the trial of an Indian devolved on the county in which the crime was committed, ordered that all the Indians sentenced by other than the territorial courts should be returned to the territory and tried by such courts. Under this order, the Kidd and several others were returned and tried by Judge Kibbe at Globe, and on October 30, 1889, sentenced to imprisonment at Yuma, and were being taken there by Sheriff Reynolds and his deputy, Hunky Dory Holmes. They were being conveyed by stage over the Pinal Mountains, via Riverside and Florence. In the stage were Reynolds, Holmes, a Mexican, who was also being taken to Yuma, the Kid and seven other Indians, and Eugene Middleton, the driver of the stage, making twelve in all. Killing of Sheriff and Deputy and Escape of Kid The Indians were handcuffed together, two and two, and had shackles on their ankles. They stopped overnight at Riverside, about halfway between Globe and Florence. Leaving Riverside early on the morning of November 2nd, while passing up a heavy sandwash, the pooling being quite heavy, in order to relieve the team, the two officers and six of the Indians got out to walk, the Indians probably having had their shackles loosened from at least one ankle to enable them to do so. The kid and one of the Indians still remaining in the stage. Suddenly the six Indians that were walking seized the two officers, whom they overpowered and killed with their own guns. As soon as Middleton discovered what was taking place, drawing his own revolver and covering the kid and the other Indian still in the stage, he kept him quiet until, on standing up to look back, he was shot through the face by one of the other Indians. In the meantime, the Mexican, taking advantage of the opportunity, escaped. Middleton, although badly wounded, was not killed. The Indians, however, evidently thought he was dead. He was, however, sufficiently conscious to realize what was taking place and avoided disabusing their minds of their belief, and in due course was rescued and taken to Globe, where he finally fully recovered. The eight Indians, now armed with a shotgun, a Winchester rifle, and three revolvers, partly stripping Middleton and the two officers, hastened to get away. Stories of the manner of their relieving themselves of their shackles do not agree. One story is that, finding a blacksmith shop near the mouth of the San Pedro River, they succeeded in cutting the shackles loose. Middleton's statement is that, finding the keys in the pockets of the sheriff, they easily freed themselves of their irons, and the plausibility of this is quite evident, as the officers must necessarily have had the keys with them. After their escape, the Indians are supposed to have come along the west side of the Catalina Mountains and passed near the halfway house between Tucson and Fort Lowell, as their tracks were seen there crossing the road going south. End of section 6